got a nice vote on Pasha Shemos. I vote from Dubna Magid. See, this week, Yechavid, right, gave birth to Moshe Rabbeini. Now, you think about it, right? Yechavid was how old when she gave birth to Moshe Rabbeini? She was 130 years old. 130, yeah? That's no young woman. Okay? And, 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 and the Torah doesn't make a big deal about it. Right? Gave birth, so, so that's it. And on the other hand, you see, Sura had a child by 90 years old, and it was a major thing. Major thing. The Torah makes a whole, a whole mess about it. I've just said, you know, the whole, whole, whole Navia. So he brings, why, how come the Torah is not making a big deal over here? So he says, Dubna Magid, says a mushal that there were two Aniyam that came to a town to collect money. And, you know, one of them said, wow, the town is such a bad tzedukah, they help so much, they give so much. And the other one said, wow, they don't give anything. Oh, I, know, I went around, nobody gave me anything. And then there was Mavara that, you know, he was there on Piram. And Piram was the time that everyone was giving a lot of money. And that's why he came out with, you know, and the other one was there in a different time. There was no Matum Slavin, there was nothing there. He said, that's, that's what everything depends on. It depends on when it's happening. It could be the same thing in the same place or the same situation, same Uraman. But when it's happening at one time, it's a big deal. And when it happens the other time, it's different results. It says in Mitzrayim, when everyone was having six children at a time, and the whole birth rate and everything was at all, you know, aside from all the all the Shibbat Mitzrayim going on at the same time, and they were still having that many children. So with such Nisim going on, you know, so somebody had a child by 130 years old, so what? But by Surim, by Surimani, having a child at 90, when everything was going, that was considered a much bigger, much bigger Chiddush that the Torah gave more attention to. So, you know, that's what it is. Everything depends on when it's happening. And there's a, there's a famous um, quote where we say, apple doesn't, uh, apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? So I once saw, brought from one of the Rebbe's, said that, you know, it depends on two things, first of all. When everything is the way it should be, then, yeah, that's what happens. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But um, when it's windy or when the tree is on a hill, then what happens is when the apple falls, it could, it could go very far. And I think that's what happens when it comes to chinach. It's not a question that today people are more obsessed with chinach than ever before. It's not a question that there's more talk about chinuch than ever before. People asking questions that were never asked before. And you look back and you see that our our um, parents and grandparents didn't have these questions, didn't have these shirim, didn't have these columns, didn't have who to ask, didn't have who to answer. Oh, it wasn't it wasn't such an issue. And Baruch Hashem, they did fine. Most of them raised nice, healthy families, and everything was good. And you know, today's day and age, things are different. It's not a question if people don't get guidance or ask the questions or, or don't have the awareness and sometimes you, you, there's problems and why is that? Well, there's, there's a lot of wind out there a lot of different things and we're, we're definitely on a, on, a, on, a, on a slant and things could happen so all of a sudden things change you know so you could have the same, same situation of somebody having a baby at 90 and somebody having a baby at 130 but when things are calm and it's normal then even, even something that out of the ordinary is considered normal and when something is not the way it should be, then even something less of a chiddush is, is bigger. So to raise happy and healthy children today and Erlach and everything is today a bigger chiddush than it was because of what's going on. That's why we have to put in more koyachas and mishkiyah, more effort in that. So it's definitely something to, you know, to take seriously. Um, when people have questions and they, and they look for guidance and they, at least they're aware of the question, they're aware of the issue, they, they, they know that it has to be dealt with. It's, it's, a, it's a whole different ballgame. And sometimes people ask, well, how come, how come the Babas and Zaydas didn't, they were too busy working, they didn't, even, they didn't even have time for the kids and everything was fine? Well, may, maybe things were different. So everything does depend on, on that Kifa we're living in and we have to take all that into account. So I'm going to start with a question. Hi, Rabbi Guru. First of all, thank you for your weekly shirim. We really enjoy it. Okay? You're very welcome. We have a question that we would like you to discuss if possible. How, how to talk to kids about being tzniyas? as he had a boy, I guess our son, had a boy in his class that was giving prizes if you pulled down your pants in second grade. And I had to talk to them to watch out from people coming and touching kids. Okay, very sensitive topic. Thank you, really appreciate it. Very sensitive topic. 
um, how to talk to children about you know sensitivity to to sneers, let's call it, or or you know staying far away from such problems. And I'll start off with this: there's definitely there's definitely different halachim in this. There's definitely different approaches to, to, to this issue, right? And and it's always good to have your own rav and your own dastoyer and your own someone to just check, you know, make sure that you're doing the right thing. Because there are those that would be more explicit about it, and those that would be less explicit about it. So I'm starting off with a disclaimer. That whatever I say is all with the and, and there's definitely different approaches to it. I, I know that. So, so I don't need anyone telling me, you know, well, this one says that. And I know this, it, it's, it's a sensitive topic. And some people, um, like, I, like I started off with earlier, you know, some people claim that today is different than it used to be, and we do have to be more careful and more expressive about it. Other people say, no, we didn't do these things in the past. So it's definitely something to check with whoever you, you trust and go get guidance. So everything we're saying is just with throwing a few different. Uh, a few different ideas about it and suggestions. So one thing that I do want to do is when your son comes home and says something like that happened in second grade, well, it wasn't clear from the question if he participated in that or not, right? But even if he did, or even if you just, even if he doesn't come home and say something, but you notice that he's doing something inappropriate, uh, let's start off with what not. You never want to label your child um, a, a chazer, chazer shulam, or any other bad word that he's not identified with. Right? Sometimes people get like uh, you know very anxious about what they're seeing, something inappropriate. You say, hey, the look what you're doing, and you label a kid and you put him down. Now, labeling kids in a negative way is never good, and especially with this, you don't want a child to identify with inappropriate behavior. You don't want him to think that you already labeled him and you already looked down at him, and maybe that's who he is. And especially like at a later time, no, yeah, whatever. People go back to it and they keep on throwing this label on someone, obviously with good intentions, right? Everything's with good intentions when it comes to chinuch, and I mean it when I say it because parents always have good intentions for the children. But a lot of times it's because you want the kid to remember that it's no good, and the one time that he did it means that he did a terrible thing. But by labeling a child in a bad way is definitely not um, productive. What you do want to do, what you do want to do, and let's talk a little more about this situation where a child comes home from second grade and talks like this. But you know, it could be it could be applied everywhere. Is you want to appeal to a child's ego. You always want to make a kid feel more than, better than, right, higher than. You don't, you don't want a child to identify with things not because he's bad by doing it, but on the contrary, because he's so good and so smart that, that people like you don't do these things. And even a small child, you'd be surprised, mm-hmm. likes when you make him feel good, right? He also has his ego about how smart he is and how chushiv he is and whatever else. Now, obviously with each kid, there's a different way to make him feel good. But telling a child that smart kids don't do this Right, only silly boys do such things. You're, you're a clicky angle. Uh, you're a smart child. You, would, you wouldn't do such a thing. That always makes a child feel good and feel better than what's happening. So that's always something that you want to clarify with him. It's not, it's not just, just a passage fadir. It's more than that. It's more than you know, just um, how could you? You shouldn't be doing such a thing. No, you are more than that. It has nothing to do with you. This is for silly people who do narish things. So that's that's first of all. Even if it happened already, you want to appeal to his ego in a way that you're justifying what happened almost, almost. Not by saying that it's okay, but by saying that it probably wasn't your fault. Some silly boy told you to do a silly thing. That, that's, that's ridiculous. You should never listen to a silly boy like that. You're much smarter than him. And such things aren't for people like you. So even when it comes to the past, we spoke about this recently, right? When it comes to the past, you want to justify something by making someone feel good and not associating him with what happened and showing him that this is how you look at him and, and, and see him. So that's, that's also a very, a very general and very um, important concept. Another thing, when a child tells you that his friend did something like this, right, you want to call it silly, you want to call it even stupid or whatever words you want to use to make sure that 
doesn't sound appealing to him at all. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to so much, so much, um, label it as bad, that's a bad boy. What happens is a lot of times when you, when you call something very bad, especially with a second grader, you're talking about a little kid over here right now, what is he, six? Sometimes you're going to be telling him how to be bad. You're basically teaching him how to be bad. So in a a day that you're in a bad mood, or in a day that you want to be bad, or you want to, for whatever reason, right, you have a thrill of being bad, oh, that's that's what the bad boys do. And sometimes it's actually tempting for a boy to be bad. So you have to remember that. Sometimes saying the words, it's a bad thing to do, it's a terrible thing to do, sometimes it just makes it more tempting. Sometimes it's good to do the bad stuff, as opposed to the silly and the disgusting things that are are less appealing. Mm -hmm. So that's also something that's... um, that's, that's also something that might, might just give it a little, a little better perspective you know, in a child's mind if he wants to do it or he doesn't want to do it he wants to stay away from it there's also another idea that I think is important over here and that is that you know, obviously when it comes to uh, six year olds you have to know how to, how to apply it and how to relay it but I'm just, I just want to mention it right? somebody repeated this to me recently from Rabbi Vigda Miller that when you put your pants on every day you should remember you should thank Hashem that you're not a rabbit Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're not a rabbit. A rabbit doesn't wear pants, right? And and you wear pants because you're a person, and you thank Hashem for that. Now, when you when you teach children this, you teach them that that um, privacy and sneers and 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 wearing clothing and, and being careful about these things. It's because you're not an animal. Now, for a second grader, you might use the word. Uh, you're not a cat. You're not a doggy. Which silly boy acted like a doggy? Doggies don't wear pants. Any boy that's telling you to pull to pull your pants down, or any boy that's doing something inappropriate like that. He's acting like a doggy. He's not being bad. He's acting silly, stupid, and like a doggy. And any person doesn't do that. Now, as a child grows older, you could gets older, you, you could you could you could you could uh, emphasize more of this and talk about how Yidin are b'nai malochim and Yidin are more doyma lemalach than to a behaima and things like that. But even a small child will understand that that doggies do that. A boy asked you to be a doggy. Which boy in your class acts like a doggy? He barks like you could. There's a way to make it very unappealing to a child, and teach him that there's appropriateness that comes from being special and and, and more than. And like I said, you call him smart, and you call him intelligent, and you call him chushiv, and he doesn't want to do these things anymore. Now I know it's not as simple as it sounds, but but this is the message you want to give over to a child. Now when it comes to inappropriate touch, let's let's just focus a minute, and this is something we spoke about in the past about children touching themselves. Now, how do you teach a child not to touch himself? So again, if you make it too um, no good, you turn it into a bad thing, then sometimes when you're not looking, he wants to do the bad thing, right? And when you don't say anything, then sometimes you're not teaching him, you're giving up an opportunity to teach a child uh, what's, what's inappropriate and what's not good. So one thing that I mentioned in the past, and I mentioned it B'Shem Remchoyid and just repeating it from Adas Torah just gives it a certain amount of uh, credibility, obviously, because sometimes I know people don't like this idea so much, for whatever reason, but, but his idea was to teach children, especially when they're young, and, you know, I don't want to say gullible, but you know they, they accept things you tell them. You could you, you tell a child this is unhealthy. You touch yourself where you're not supposed to. This this could cause infections. It's a terrible thing. And as as children get older, you could even tell them you know that this is something that causes problems later. And it does, by the way. And, and not only because of hygiene and, and physical health, but because of the health of the neshama. This is definitely something that that causes a lot of unhealthiness. So you don't have to be afraid to say something like that. Now, it could be as a child gets older, you could you could sometimes explain to him you know what the neshama means and things like that. But very often. Out of fear, out of fear, and I know people don't like the idea because then you're fooling the child and one day he wakes up and he realizes, which it's not necessarily true because I don't know if he'll realize because it could be true as well, but the idea that, that it's not good, again, it's not good to do. It's not, it's, not, it's not so much a bad thing you want to stay away from because we don't do a virus as much as this is no good. 
You can be very clear about that. And you want to be clear about it because you don't want to wait till the child has a strong enough yet to toy and enough self-control to be able to stay away from things like this. You want to make sure that it goes, it's a guy around the binder and he doesn't, um, you know, you know, fall for this. And, 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 and you should be very firm. You should be very firm about it. It's not something like, nah, it's not a good idea. You don't want to. This is something you want to be very clear about how, how unacceptable it is and how terrible it is and, and how it's something you really don't want to do just by saying it in a clever way. Now, you don't want to put a child down like I started off with. You don't want to tell them, you don't want to put them down for doing something like this, but you do want to give them the, the sensitivity to it. So that's a, a balance that you want to, that you want to, um, that you, that you want to balance out to give over a healthy message. Now, I had another point, and, and that is that sometimes it's not so much what you say, but how you say it. In other words, it's not what you're telling them. It's not the message you're giving. It's the reaction that you have. Interestingly, I just noticed this the other day by a chasna. Right, everyone was dancing and it was all labor day, and all of a sudden one kid's um, couple fell off his head. Right? His yarmulke fell off, and what happens? It's instinctive. I mean, by any Simcha, it's instinctive. You see, three people run to pick up the yarmulke and put it on the child's head, and, and the child himself was like walking with his, right away, put his hand on it. Where did that come from? Where does that come from? Did you ever sit down and tell your child how terrible it is to be one second without a yarmulke that fell off by mistake? No, nobody, nobody, nobody gives major lessons about it. I, I don't even know how terrible it is, man. Yamaka fell off by mistake, so you go pick it up. Like, what's, the, what's the thing? You know what the answer is? The answer is that when everybody just ran to pick it up, that was teaching a child that this has to happen. You, you can't be without it. Nobody's going to keep on dancing and, and with a child and say, hey, you'll pick up the Yamaka soon, let's just dance, you know, we're by a chasna now. Nobody does that. It's that instinctive message that, that, that you know, that it's how you react that, that, that gives a lot of the chinach. It gives a lot of chinach. Let me say a story about one of the Gedol Yisrael who came once he visited I, I remember the name some I don't want to misquote by mistake I'm not sure if I remember it properly but he, he once came to somebody's house it was a very severe, a very rich person and they were talking about the Chinuch why the Chinuch of this family where he came this rich person's family the Chinuch wasn't so ay 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 and, and you know this Gedol Yisrael the Rosh Hashiva had children that were more Ehrlich let's call it and in the middle of the Seder um I don't know if it both happened or one happened, but something, something fell down and broke, like a glass broke. And everybody jumped. Oh, huh, something broke, an expensive thing. And either later, by mistake, somebody shut the lights or did, did some aloha on Shabbos. And the father said something like, oh, you know, it's Shabbos. You don't do that. And this Rosh Hashiva explained, in my house, when somebody by mistake turns off the light switch, everyone goes, <gasps> everyone gasps. Shabbos. Now, it was only a mistake. It wasn't, it wasn't a Malik's Machshevis, it was maybe a Mesasik. And still everybody gasps, and that's the natural um, reaction of Yiddish Ashtib. Now, nobody turns to the boy and says, You Machal Shabbos, what you are. Obviously. The point is not to make anyone feel bad. The point that right away, after you gasp, you could say, Oh, it's a mistake, no problem. You know, it's fine to make someone, to, to calm someone down when that happens. You're not here to. to but, but the reaction that happens in most Yiddish Ashtib is that it's a terrible thing. The light just shot, it's Shabbos. And everybody has that instinctive, and that's what gives children the sensitivity that in most cases, when I have yourself, it's never happened that a child shot a light on Shabbos. Now, this is she was explaining, in your house, when something breaks, everybody jumps, wow, something broke, something expensive, this is what the whole house is running around, something broke, as opposed to something about Chil Shabbos. Okay, so you're teaching your child, we don't do this on Shabbos, you know, you're still little, so it's not so terrible. So what I mean to say is that when it comes to things like this, and a child's doing something inappropriate, or telling you something inappropriate, that gasp, or that reaction of, that's a terrible thing, make sure it doesn't happen, it's very silly boys, they act like doggies, it's a certain, it's a certain attitude that, that speaks a lot louder than, with, than, what you, than the words you say. So there's something to think about, how it's a certain sensitivity to Kedisha and Eidelkeit and Sneers that goes over to children when they see that parents you know, take these things very seriously. Now, 
Okay, we'll go to the next point. In most cases, you don't, you don't want to get your child used to tattling on other boys, right? You don't want to tell a child that whenever somebody does something wrong, you come tell me, I'll give you a prize for telling me. It's not, it, you know, in most cases, it's not the way to go about things, you know, to, to get children used to telling out on others. Sometimes, if you know a child is going to be tempted to do something with other boys that are, that's no good, you can tell them, you know, if anyone tells you something to do no good, they tell you to throw something in the street, you know, throw a ball in the street or whatever it is, come tell me that you didn't do it and I'll give you a prize. That's enough. It doesn't even matter to me so much who told you to do it or what, because, you know, you get kids used to coming a whole day saying bad things about the other kids. In most cases, you know, it's better to just make a child feel good about being good on his own and getting, being rewarded for it and being the good boy. When it comes to these things, we hear crazy things these days. It's a very sensitive topic. You don't want a child to be afraid. First of all, there's a lot of fear involved. And a lot of times when people do inappropriate things, obviously when it involves adults or um, there's more of the fear like you better not tell anyone or he's afraid that if he tells someone he'll be in trouble. It's very important to let a child know you should never be afraid to tell Tati or Mommy if somebody tells you to do something like this or touches you in an inappropriate way or, or anything like that. Now again, how explicit you want to talk about it you know, th- that's something that you want to get maybe clear guidance from somebody you trust to know uh, what words to say. But, it's, but if a kid's coming home already from second grade and saying this, that's definitely an opportunity to say, if this ever happens again, you come home and you tell me who did it. It doesn't matter who. And you should never be afraid. And you can be sure that if you ever tell me such a thing, I'll make sure nobody could ever hurt you for it or whatever. And I'll maybe even give you a reward for telling me. Now, obviously, you want to make sure he doesn't just make up stories to get a prize and you want to be Mavar and, and not just be... But this is something very, very... Um, something you want to really be careful about. And not just that, but, you know, kids go to other people's houses and things happen. And there's no rule to know when, yeah, when not. And to become paranoid and OCD and never let you get out of the house is probably not either a way to go. And unfortunately, there are people that do that and, and you know, they start choking the kids and, and, and kids can't can go anywhere or whatever. But, but it's something to think about. You know, sometimes we take these things too lightly. I know, you learn the hard way and then you find out something happened and, you know, it's, maybe you could have been avoided, maybe you could have done something about it or did some research before letting a kid go somewhere. It's definitely something to be careful about. It's not a question. These things are very, very, very dangerous, to say the least. Now, you also don't want to—you don't want to make a kid become OCD and paranoid, right? So there, there is always that balance of, you know, making sure it doesn't go over the edge and making a kid totally paranoid of somebody thinking of doing something to him or him thinking that he may have touched himself. You know, I'm just mentioning it because there are kids that will take these things a little, a little too seriously. Right, too seriously in a way that's that's really um, um, not so healthy. One more thing I want to mention. There's something I think we mentioned a few times already when talking about younger children. Chinuch is gradual. Chinuch is a process. Right now, as 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 careful as you want to be with these things, as much as you want to make sure that these things don't affect children in a bad way, and you really want to be protective, you you still shouldn't get shocked. I'm saying per, internally, right? On your own, you know, personally, you don't want to get shocked by, oh, my child did something. This is normal. Children do things. It's normal for adults to do things. I hope it's other things. But I'm saying it's to be expected, let's call that. Right? The fact that a child did something and, wow, what happened? This happens. Children do things. Children uh, experiment, they explore, they want to, and they're tempted. And, and this is chinuch. Chinuch is to get a with them. Don't be upset or discouraged by the fact that your child is dealing with something that you would have wished would have never entered his mind. It happens. That's point one. Point two is that even if it happened once and you did all the right things and it happened again, don't jump. This is normal. Now, you could jump to show your child that you're jumping, but it's normal. It's normal for children. It's gra- That's what I mean to say. Chinuch is gradual. You're talking about an adult who didn't know and now he knows and, and you're hoping that the, the knowledge will be enough. It's gradual. 
you have to have the patience for children to be mischanach. So if it didn't work once when you tried being nice about it and do it, kneeling, doing things the right way, and the second time it happens and you start giving patch and losing yourself because this is not going to happen, it's, you know, it's not the way to do things. You have to remember that kids are young and chinuch is gradual. And you have to remember that especially with little kids, you know, it's a process. That's what chinuch means, slowly educating and, and making them become used to something and internalizing it and growing from it and all that. And of course, right, it should always be mentioned, and, and especially with young children, when, when it's all, you know, it's all the shmira, you're in a, it's all the shmaya, and you want to be mispalled, you want to be mispalled that your children are ogi, and you want to be mispalled that they have the koyach to overcome whatever it is over the years, and, and with a lot of tefillah, and with the writer's tablets, and with the shmaya, I wish still, can I say nachs from the kinder shkoyach?